this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello and welcome back to When in Romance, Book Riot's podcast about all things romance novels and the sometimes bizarre goings-on behind them. I am Trisha. We are recording on January 19th. And if you are surprised to hear my voice, I don't blame you. Jess generally does our introductions. But Jess is on vacation. We are thrilled for her. But I am actually also thrilled for us because Jess being on vacation means that we are joined once again by the great and good Liberty Hardy. Hi, Liberty. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited to have you back. I think the last time and maybe the only time that you did this show it was when I was moving cross country last year and you guys did Monster Romance. Yes. Yes. And I learned a lot. (laughs) I I remember listening to it as I was unpacking. It sounded like a fun time. And also, uh, maybe we'll we'll go a little gentler this time around. (laughs) Yes. Maybe. I don't know if you felt like tossed into the deep end of, of the pond, but you maybe were a little bit. Oh, no, I'm just I'm easily like, like shocked and I blush a lot. And so reading those books, I was like, oh my, like the whole mm-hmm. time. And, and that was a delight. <laughs> yeah. I think monster romance, if, if you are not super used to like erotic romance or, you know, that, that, that end of the spectrum, it can be a, yeah, it can be a learning experience, I think is, is the right way to describe it. It was, that is a great way to put it. It was definitely a learning experience. Um, I learned that I should do my homework before I pick up books about monster romance (laughs) (laughs) but it was fun like they were fun yeah this time around it was a lot gentler yes that was uh you know like i said we throw you into the deep end of the pool and that we then we let you come to like the waiting part like where people (laughs) splash each other so jess and i always start out by talking a little bit about what they're reading folks who know anything about you know that you are probably reading many many things in many many genres and many many types but is there anything that you're excited about that you want to tell folks about today well i thought because it's a romance podcast i would mention the upcoming susanna hoff's book because one it is a romance and two susanna hoff's is the lead singer of the bangles and she wrote a book. Lots of people don't know this. When I say that I was reading this, I have now since finished it. People are like, you mean like the, I'm like, yes, like the, you know, every, everybody <laughs> just knows, you know, walk like an Egyptian. Yes. It's Susanna sure. Hoffs. It's so exciting. And I adored it. I adored it to pieces. And if I'm not mistaken, Yay. I'm pretty sure they've already sold the rights to make it into something. Um, and oh, wow. it's not surprising. Uh, and what else is not surprising is is that the main character is a musician, right? It's sure. She's, she's yep. a, a musician who had a big hit song, like huge, 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 uh, and hasn't really had a lot of success since then. And now she gets hired to like go places and like sing that song. And mm-hmm. um, she's like, Ugh. but she gets a message from her manager saying that the musician that she collaborated with who helped make that song famous wants to to reunite on stage in London and do a, a version of that song with her for a concert. She's like, oh, 
I hate his guts, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And then she meets someone very handsome on the plane on the way over there. His name is Tom Hardy. He's not that Tom Hardy. Oh, that's amazing. And he's not related to me, but he he is very handsome and that kind of like works out for her there. So it's really cute. And then as we say, shenanigans ensue. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cute. I thought that it was delightful from beginning to end. Like, I always feel like I'm surprised when I read books written by celebrities. Like, And I don't know Mm -hmm. why. Probably because I'm just jealous that people could have, like, more than one talent, you know? (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, it's really great. It comes out April 4th, and and I highly recommend it. Plus, the cover is fantastic. It's green. I think think green is, like, the hot color for book covers this year. It's going to happen. You would probably know. I think uh, that's fair. Yeah. Well, I will link to it in the show notes for folks who want to pre-order and be ready. I just got off of my book uh, is also not quite out yet, but it's a lot closer than yours. It comes out um, actually tomorrow as people are listening to this. It comes Ooh. out January 24th. And it's a book called Georgie All Along by Kate Claiborne. I don't know. Have you read anything by Kate Claiborne? She did like love lettering and a series. She did a trilogy where um, three friends win the lottery and the three, you know, three of them happen to find love in different ways. I have not. I, I don't know if she sounds familiar at all. She, Yeah, well, she's great. Um, she writes... Romance that has like a little bit of, it, it's sort of on that end of the spectrum that's a little more towards contemporary fiction, just because it, it the romance is always like in this book, uh, Georgie is the main character. Um, she She's feeling a little bit adrift. Uh, she gets sort of laid off from her job because her she was an assistant for a big deal Hollywood producer and the producer decides to retire. So then Jory, Georgie is kind of trying to figure out what to do. So she goes back to her hometown to figure out, you know, like, what should her life look like? What is, you know, she want to do? And she comes across what she calls like a life fic or friend fic. It's like a thing that she wrote before she was in high school about all the cool things she was going to do in high school. Mm-hmm. And she realizes she never did any of them. And so she wants to, she go, she decides that this is going to be how she figures her life out. She's going to go back and do like, jump off of this like weird dock, having written a wish on her arm, because that's what people do. She's going to go to this, you know, club. She's going to do like all of these things. So it is a lot about her development but along the way she uh comes across levi who just happens to be the older brother of the major crush that she wrote all about in this life fic that she's got so it's a lot about her journey but it is partially about his as well and obviously you know again shenanigans ensue i thought it was really lovely it's sort of a um coming home romance which i'm a sucker for uh, for those like the the sort of second chance at with not so much second chance with your significant other but second chance with your hometown mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's just really lovely and there's a lot of interesting cool family and friend stuff and like i said it should be out tomorrow if you are listening to this now that is georgie all along by kate claiborne now what do you think a list from high school of things that you didn't do would look like? Is that because like for me, I'm thinking I'm thinking of that while you're talking about it. And I'm like, that would not be anywhere near as interesting as that. It would not be that cool. <laughs> it would be like try to make out with Rupert Everett because he obviously would be my type. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah, just, absolutely. Like so clueless in high school. And <laughs> I don't know. It's so hard. Like, yeah, that's the thing. I'm, like, so much older now that even just, like, thinking back to the amount of energy that I had when I was that age, I'm like, I don't know, learn how to be a runner or something. Like, you know, it's just, like, right now I'm just too tired. The idea of having to go back and do any of the stuff that I did as a teenager, oh, Yeah. I – it's not – yeah, it's – it's 
Good thing it works out for Georgie, but yeah, not not for me. I don't think it's for me. Those those books and movies where people have to go back in time and, and relive high school or something, like those are my horror movies. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's like, yeah, they haunt my nightmares. <laughs> Again, good for them having that second chance. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll do a few announcements and talk a little bit more. Today's episode is brought to you by Four Eads and a Funeral by Farida Abike Iamide and Adiba Jai Gadar. And let me just say, these two authors are powerhouse YA authors. They write bangers. They write fire novels that slap. Just letting y'all know that off rip. So ex-best friends Tiwa and Saeed must work together to save their Islamic center from demolition. Tiwa doesn't understand what made Saeed start ignoring her, but it's probably that fancy boarding school of his. Anyway, he's unexpectedly staying at home through the summer and she's determined to take a page from him and pretend he doesn't exist. So there's that. But when the Islamic Center accidentally catches fire, it turns out the mayor plans to demolish the center entirely. Shady, shady boots. So will all their efforts be enough to save the Islamic Center, save Saeed, and maybe even save their relationship? Listen, time will tell. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Four Eads and a Funeral by Farida Abike Iamide and Adiba Jagadar for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books for Young Adults. From number one New York Times bestselling author Jennifer L. Armentrout comes a book I have to tell you about. It's Half-Blood, and it follows Alex and her mom who have spent years on the run from The Covenant, a school where their pure descendants of gods hone their powers and half-mortal teens train to kill demons for them. When her mom is murdered, Alex has two options. She can become a servant for the pures or work twice as hard to catch up in her training. The second option seems easier, but it gets a little complicated, you see, when pureblood Aiden becomes her personal trainer. So falling for Aiden isn't her biggest problem, surprisingly. As demons close in, she must fight to stay alive, even while others around her are dropping dead. So again, Jennifer L. Armentrout does the thing when it comes to romance, fantasy, adventure, all those things. Other books are Blood and Ash, A Shadow and the Ember, all those good things. Make sure to check out Half-Blood by Jennifer L. Armentrout. And thanks again to Bloom Books for Young Adults for sponsoring this episode. All right. So if you happened to miss last episode, uh, you should know we did pick a new book club book. When in Romance Book Club is back for 2023. We're going to be reading After Hours on Malegro Street by Angelina M. Lopez. We didn't have a date last time we talked about it. Now we do. Uh, Jess and I are going to record that episode on March 2nd. So send your thoughts before that. And it will go live on March 6th. We are excited about that. Uh, You should also know that the Swoon Book Awards are open for nominations. I'm guessing you probably don't follow a lot of genre book awards. Is that true, Liberty? I just see like the highlights, like when they go by and like the news and stuff, like who won and things like that. Yeah. These ones are, so the Swoon Awards are relatively new, and there's, there's like a different award, I think, called the Swoonies. So if you're going to vote, use the link I'm going to put in the show notes that you don't have to worry about it. Um, but they've just existed for the last few years, and the cool thing about them is that they are largely crowdsourced. They're like a reader's choice award for romance fiction. Mm-hmm. 
And it's they get a ton of votes. They tend to be, you know, they're not perfect for sure, but they tend to be a little bit more inclusive, I think, than some of the larger like Goodreads awards and that kind of thing. So they're a lot of fun. And again, everybody's voice matters. So, you know, everyone should feel free to vote for the Swoon Awards. I will include the the link for that in the show notes. And then the last piece of fun 2023 news that uh, I did want to mention, you and I talked a bit about before the podcast, and then I'm hoping this is the first discussion of many. But we did find out just within the last couple of days that Roxane Gay and Channing Tatum are working together on a romance novel. And we are delighted about it. That's, yeah. So they had a photo together on her social media. And like, what is time during the pandemic? I don't know how long ago it was. It was like either months or years ago even it was just like the two of them sitting at a table and it said like hi and then someone said something about like a secret project and then i kind of forgot about it and yeah then they dropped the news he drops the news in vanity fair the other day Mm -hmm. that they're writing a romance novel together which is pretty exciting it's amazing yeah it's like sort of like literary icon roxanne gay and uh, you know film icon in many ways magic mike icon channing tatum working together i'm excited about it yeah, I I have a lot of kind of questions about what that looks like, but listen, <laughs> I'm excited. Just I'm maybe they have more um, shared life experiences than I would guess. I don't know. I probably should be more open minded. I'm excited. Well, he he might want to write about things that he knows. So he did work as a dancer, and he did. That's he's true. an actor, so maybe it's like about you know him loosely based on him or something like that. Or her. Yeah, or he could just write about his romance with Zoe Kravitz. That would be... I would read a million pages of that. that Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I imagine we'll find out. Maybe when uh, that finally drops, we'll have you on... We'll we'll do a book club uh, (laughs) book on it and and ask you to join us in reading what is almost certainly going to be one of the major books of whenever it comes out. (laughs) Uh, Before we get to the books, are you looking for the perfect Valentine's gift for your bookish boo? Gift tailored book recommendations. Your boo will tell our professional book nerds about what they love and what they don't, what their reading goals are, and what they need more of in their bookish life. Then just they'll just sit back while our bibliologists go to work selecting books just for them. TBR has plans for every budget. You can surprise your bookish boo with tailored book recommendations this Valentine's Day by visiting mytbr.co slash gift. That's mytbr.co slash gift. So we did mention that we were, we're going to, again, <laughs> monster romance is wonderful. It has its place. It also can be kind of a lot. So when we were talking about what we wanted to discuss, you actually happened on um, a theme that Jess and I have bounced around a few times, but never quite gotten to. Uh, and that is sort of competition and specifically sort of reality competition romance. I don't know. Is there anything in particular that drew you to it, Liberty? It does seem like it's having a moment. Like it has just the last few years, there's been a lot of it. Yes. Um, I don't know. I just thought really long and hard about a subject because you have read so many romance books and I have read so few romance. And it seems like there has been a huge influx of food-related romance novels and reality show-related romance novels. So I thought... There were a couple that had caught my eye many times, and Mm -hmm. I really wanted to read them. So I thought, this is the perfect opportunity to read competition romance novels. And then as soon as I started reading the one about food, I was, like, remembering back to monster romance, and I was like, 
oh, there's going to be food in this one. Um, but <laughs> it actually wasn't like that at all. It was great. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it would be something fun, you know, because reality shows are so prevalent and I knew it was going to be a good time. And I was correct. Indeed. Well, and so I guess I probably should have asked like this question a little bit even before. You read so many books and so many genres and you read so broadly. Is there anything in particular that you kind of look for or that stands out when you read romance? Is there like a, I don't know, like a particular type or trope or style or anything like subgenre, anything that kind of the books that you tend to read or tend to remember have in common? I will read anything if someone tells me I should read it. You know, especially like for the show, like doing all the books I try to read broadly. But I I have found that I like contemporary romance novels. I love mm-hmm. historical fiction, but I always lean towards the contemporary books I've found. I did read Sarah Sarah McLean told me to read one once. That was wild. It was like a a blind French virgin in the seventeen hundreds who sure. was also a spy and could like fight. And it was, it was something. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, that one. Sounds like there's a lot going that on. That one I remember very vividly, but um, yeah. normally I just, I reach, I guess, contemporary. I like contemporary romance. Fair. I think that makes sense. I also, I think you're 100% right. We've talked about that a little bit about how there has been sort of this influx of competition and reality show romance. And I think some of it is that it sets up a pretty obvious, pretty clear point of friction, yeah. right? Like, all of a sudden, you, you I mean, I'm not going to say that the authors that we're going to talk about were lazy and just relied on that entirely, because of course they didn't. But, you know, there is, it sets up your conflict without having to, you know, um, manufacture something. Because I will say one of the, I think one of the criticisms that people who don't like contemporary romance will say is that oftentimes the conflict feels manufactured, right? It's like, yes. oh, it's your best friend's brother or like what you know it's like that kind of or like it's just one of those things that could be solved with one conversation right Mm -hmm. so this is a very genuine way to kind of put that that conflict in there as we are so used to having yeah because you already have these people pushed together instead of like oh these are the only two people who survived the sinking of the boat on a deserted island together and they Uh hate each other you know he was the captain yeah. and she was this spoiled princess, you know. Uh-huh. It's like they they have to go to one place for a certain reason and work together or not work yes. together. And and I like that. And I do. Yeah. I, I do. You do hit on the thing about romance when I read it is I always because it, they almost always, you know, there's a, a certain formula that they follow. You know, mm-hmm. they meet. They're together. There is a conflict. Happy ending, you know. And I always yeah. find, almost always find that, like, the conflict that sort of might make it so they don't, you know, like you were saying, like, just need to say something to each other. You know, like, that. Yes. that is always the thing that I'm like, yeah. mm, let's just get past this part so we can get to the happy ending. Uh-huh. Yeah. I am increasingly a fan of romance that doesn't have, like, too much of a dark moment. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's what they talk about. Actually, and we keep sort of talking around it, but one of the things that you said about when you were reading uh, and saw... You, you you were reading all about the food. I was reading. So the first book that I'm going to talk about is a book called Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake by Alexis Hall. Yes. Um, and I actually have plans right after we record this to go to the local bakery down the street because they talked so much about the different desserts that they were making that I was like, I'm going to need to uh, to just swing <laughs> by, pick up a layer cake of some kind, probably more dessert than I could possibly eat. But they just make it sound so good. 
And I know you are an Alexis Hall fan. You've read Alexis Hall, right? Yes. I feel like I've read about you said had something by him in your newsletter this like yes. last week. Yes, I've read a few of his books. I of course now that we're talking about him, I can't remember the title of the one I love the most, but it was the oh yeah, it was last year I think about the couple that goes on vacation to the Scottish castle, and it's like a locked room mystery because like someone's murdered and there's a storm and Ooh. it's escaping me now. But I loved that one the most. Although I do love Rosaline Palmer. It's so funny, right? Because, like, he writes so many books oh, that so when many. you say the one he wrote last year, it could be, like, five different books. Yeah. But it sounds like it was a uh, a historical as opposed – well, maybe not. No, Castles it, are it, everywhere. Was, it was a contemporary. Oh, my goodness. What on earth was it called? I'm, I'm not going to remember now. That's okay. We'll figure it out and, and stick it in the show notes for yeah. people to find. He also has one I love about playing uh, virtual uh, video games called Looking for Group, which which I adored. Oh, that's cool. I don't think I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's it's I believe it's one of his first ones. I'm trying to find the name of it by scrolling through his titles and there's like three pages. It's of, just too many. Yeah. Of titles. <laughs> I think it was an ebook only and they sent me a galley of it. And so then I told everybody about it and people were mad at me. They're like, It's only an ebook. I was like, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I mean it happens. Also, you're so cute because I love that you read this book about food, and you're like, I want to go to the bakery. I started reading it, and when I said I, uh, there was going to be food, I was concerned there was going to be food in the bedroom. So oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, what did I get myself into again? <laughs> I really feel like those monster romance books might have messed you up a little bit. Uh, they might have set up some some unusual expectations. I'm not going to say that that never happens or it's completely off the table, <laughs> but I will say it's maybe a little more on the unusual spectrum of things. There, There is no food in the bedroom. Actually, this book, for we sometimes have um, folks who are looking for books that are a little bit less explicit. This one does have... One relatively short, not super explicit sex scene towards the end. Um, but by and large, it's one that if you are if you are looking for a book that is not super explicit, this might be a good one. And, you know, I some of the criticism of this book. So it's about Rosaline Palmer. She is uh, entered a baking competition. Um, she's a single mom. And she is just sort of also trying to kind of figure apparently my my theme this week is people trying to figure their lives out uh because rosalina is also trying to figure out her life and one of the things that one of the criticisms of this book i think was that folks didn't feel like it was fully a romance and that it is largely rosaline's story she is it's a third person sole point of view so you are only hearing from her and there's a love triangle so she spends part of the book with one person part of the book with the other person and you have to read it to figure out who she ends up with, but I have a feeling you'll be able to figure it out pretty soon. And I think because it was, the plot was driven more by Rosaline herself and what she was kind of trying to figure out related to what she wants and what she needs from her family and, you know, how close she is to her friends, that it's maybe a little bit more driven by that than by a relationship. For me, I like that. I like when there is additional kind of dimension or layers to a story. And it's still, again, there still is a romance. There still is a happy ever after or a, an emotionally satisfying ending. Um, and you find out who wins the baking competition. I will say, I think I, in some ways, probably wasn't the target audience for the show because I have never confessed this to anyone, Liberty, but I have never seen any of the baking bake-off shows. <gasps> like I have... Never. I, I get too stressed out watching reality competition TV <laughs> because I get really attached to somebody and then they get kicked off. And so I I can't do it. So I was even a little stressed out, like knowing that the different characters and I just had to keep reminding myself that 
they are characters in a plot and it was furthering <laughs> things along. But I really liked this one. I like I said, I thought the the setting of the competition was interesting. The competition itself wasn't a major plot point, but like in that force force proximity that you mentioned mm-hmm. um, was a huge part of it. Uh, so yeah, two thumbs up for Rosalind Palmer takes the cake. All right. Well, you shouldn't be. Um, what's the word I want? I don't know. I have not seen very many reality shows myself. I've actually never seen a couple episodes of a couple things. I watched the Great Pottery one, like the first season. Oh, sure. And mm-hmm. I love the that guy, Keith, the judge that always cries. Love him. Uh, and I watched, like, the I think it was the Great Bake Off with the cast of Dairy Girls. I think that was, like, the other. So I haven't seen many reality okay. shows either. Um, so why I picked this theme, it's really just a mystery. Yeah. Well, it's just that you can experience it in a different way. Experience yeah. it through fiction versus yes, yeah, the yes. high stakes of, of real reality TV. And uh, my first pick is Battle Royal by Lucy Parker, which I keep in my head calling Batter Royal because that makes more sense to me because it's about cooking and making cakes. But mm-hmm. um, it turns out that the competition in this one is not the main focus either. Just that the two characters in the book meet at a reality competition because one is originally a contestant and the other is a judge and there's a horrible exploding unicorn cake incident. Sylvie is like, it's like a grumpy sunshine book. Sylvie is all light and rainbows and glitter. Have you, have you read it, Trisha? Have, have you? I have. Okay, yeah. yeah. So she's like all like rainbows and glitter and, and just everything is like beautiful and like blown sugar, you know, sculptures and all this stuff. And she's on this reality show uh, that we find out at the very beginning called Operation Cake. And the judge, Dominic, is this very straight-laced, very serious man with, you know, the chiseled jaw and the handsome good looks. And mm-hmm. his family is owns a, a very famous bakery and dessert shop that's been in the family for generations. And they're very straight-laced. And so, of course, he hates her because she loves glitter and her cake blows up and it becomes like like the most watched video you know for the whole show just this you know and she is now the bane of his existence uh, and then she decides she wants to open her own bakery and make glittery cake things and it turns out that the best place for her to do that is directly across the street from his place which is of course annoying to him you know as all get out uh, so he's working in his bakery which is like you know everything is like white or maybe off-white frosting and he has an assistant who is out, so his um, sister steps in. He doesn't know her very well. He's much older than her, and he had to move away when he was young, so they're just kind of, like, getting to know each other. And she's across the street in, like, this the Rainforest Cafe version of, like, a, a cake bakery. <laughs> and then there's the establishment downstairs, which I will talk about in a minute because I'm not over it. And <laughs> it turns out they find out that one of the... Uh, Members of the royal family, this very goth, rebellious princess is getting married. And so that usually means that Dominic's family gets to make the cake because they've just always made the cakes for the royal weddings. But Sylvie is like, I want to make the cake for the royal wedding. And I know that, you know, the the happy couple likes, you know, Dungeons and Dragons type games and they do all these things together. So she mocks up something like completely the opposite of what Dominic is going to make and manages to get it over to the royal family and they see it. And so they invite both of them to come to 
like various like places because it's very super top secret. So they meet in all these like secret places around London, and they're both competing for the opportunity to make this cake. But also like they keep running into each other, and it turns out like super sparks. Plus, she's been invited to be a judge on the new season of Operation Cake. Because everyone's expecting them to, like, hate each other and, like, fight all the time because he's mm-hmm. mad that she hit him, you know, with unicorn cake. Uh, and <laughs> That happens. And it turns out that, no, they actually, like, really like each other. Um, and there's, you know, some some drama with the, the happy couple, the royal couple, because the media is hounding them and, and spreading lies. And it, are they going to be able to make it? Are they going to have a cake to make? You know, is, <gasps> like, the, the big question. Um, and they're also, like, starting up this romance, Dominic and Sylvie, and do they have time in their lives for romance? You know, like, Sylvie's always very mm-hmm. busy. Um, there was that one night stand that she mentions in which uh, a guy that discovers that she's from the cake show decides to just shoot his shot and uh, gets dressed up in some cake, which made me laugh, like, really hard. Um, but... <laughs> They're, they're like, you know, they're, they're perfect for each other, you know, and, and when they, you know, he works through his problems with his sister and his abandonment as a child. And, you know, she's like, decides to like, sort of, you know, just throw everything she can into loving this man. It's really cute. You know, it has a lot of like the, I don't want to say like stereotypical things that they do, but like, you know, he has a cat from hell. And when she mm-hmm. comes over to the apartment, like, the cat, like, loves her to pieces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, a lot of the drama is about the, the royal couple. And, like, can they keep them together? And, yeah. And is it going to happen? But, okay, so let's talk about, like, this is what I took away from the romance novel. Her drink establishment downstairs at the bakery. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I love that you describe in general her bakery as the Rainforest Cafe version of a, of a cake bakery, because I feel like that is the description I needed the entire time I was reading it. Yeah. So correct. So I don't know. Have you ever watched Pushing Daisies? Like, no. Do you know that show with? I am familiar. I know of it. I just oh. didn't. Well, I'm going to say this and someone out there is going to know what I'm talking about. But there is this episode where like, you know, the pie maker has a bakery where he makes pies. And then all of a sudden, this candy establishment opens up across the street and it's run by molly shannon and mike white this brother and sister team and it's like willy wonka candy factory place and that's all i kept picturing when i was picturing sylvie's bakery was this episode of mm-hmm. of pushing daisies and it, it's very similar because it's like competition opening across the street and that's what i kept seeing but not only do they have this bakery they have a place downstairs where you you go and she makes you drinks but, like, not just drinks. This is, like, a place that is covered in twinkly lights and painted with, like, forests and, mm-hmm. like, things go flying across the sky and all the drinks are in little cauldrons and they have straws made out of sugar and she makes spun glass bubbles full of different liquids that melt at different times in your glass and the steam comes out and, like, it's a whole experience. And that's all I wanted to read about once once I got to that part. I was like, please yeah. just tell me some more about these drinks that you're making. <laughs> It feels like the kind of thing that, like, like you mentioned, Charlie's chocolate, Charlie's chocolate factory. It feels like the kind of thing that is a, it is like a mix between that and like existing in like a fantasy world, like yeah. um, like a magic witchcraft kind of yeah. castle-y, you know, just yeah. I was like, if this is a real thing that they can do, I would, I would definitely go there. Oh yeah, my my town desperately needs one of those. I'm gonna have to write the city council. Yeah. See what and like, can, see, see what we can do. <laughs> but I, I thought it was, I thought it was really charming. There's some like super like 
drama and then at the end there's like a scary moment i was not expecting that like whoa Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot going on in this book but you know i really liked it and you know there are some super hot moments but they don't really involve food because they both find that to be unsanitary so i was like Mm -hmm. right on so like this was the romance you were looking for the cake related (laughs) romance you were looking for yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there's, I think you pointed out there's some really, I, when I was reading it, I was struck by how well, despite the fact that it, it is, I would say, a rom com, there are definitely themes of grief mm-hmm. that I think are really well done in that book. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I think it was just really well rounded. It's, it's a fantastic book. And the next in the series, I believe, is coming out this year. Yes. I saw that. I think it's August. Yeah. So be excited. So everybody read that one now if you haven't read it and then get excited for the ones coming next. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we will talk uh, about a couple more books. Today's episode is brought to you by Gallery Books. So Anna Green thought she was marrying Liam West for access to subsidized family housing while at UCLA, which is an interesting reason to marry someone, but you know, in this economy. So anyway, she signed divorce papers when the graduation caps were tossed, and she thought she was done at she wasn't. Three years later, Anna is a starving artist living paycheck to paycheck while West is a Stanford professor. Now, he is part of a conglomerate. His family owns this mega grocery store chain. He's not interested in working for them, but he is interested in those greenbacks, honey, that come in the form of a $100 million inheritance. To get it, he has to be married for five years. That's where our girl Anna comes back into play. So the two will fake a marriage, but as he gets to know her and gets to appreciate the feisty, foul mouth, paint splattered girl that she is, he'll begin to wonder if the money is worth the love of his life. Pick up The Paradise Problem by Christina Lauren to find out if it is. And thanks again to Gallery Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Diana Dixon has a busy summer and no time for tall, gorgeous hockey player Shane's shenanigans. Because you know what? If they shenan once, they'll shenan again. So she thinks she knows exactly who he is when he moves into her apartment building. But turns out Shane's sick of hookups and tired of being on the rebound after his long-term girlfriend called it quits. But when his ex comes back into the picture, he needs a plan. And who better to play his new girlfriend than his sassy new neighbor? So a fake relationship might be perfect for Diana's own ex issues, but Diana is used to living by the rules. Will she learn that when it comes to love, rules are meant to be broken? Make sure to check out The Dixon Rule by L. Kennedy. L. Kennedy is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author with over a million copies of her books sold. So this is going to be another banger, y'all. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. All right. The next book I'm going to talk about is one that I'm sure I've talked about on the podcast before, but not for a while. So I feel like it's okay. And that is Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev, which is if anyone who has listened to this podcast for a while knows that she is one of my all time favorite authors. Um, I think she is wonderful. I think this book is fantastic. But I will say content warnings for basically everything. I think before I was, you know, a chapter into this book, I already had three different content warnings flagged. There are mental health issues, there is death and loss, there is uh, suicide. Um, There's just like a lot going on. Unfortunately, they did market this book as a romantic comedy. 
And I think that was a mistake because, well, there are certainly clever moments in it. It is for sure a romantic drama. And it is that I mean, it's which is so typical um, of Sonali Dev's books. She, I don't know if you've read any of her stuff, Liberty, but she like basically puts you through this entire like, you know, spectrum of emotions, <laughs> like kind of tears you apart emotionally just to kind of put you back together uh-huh. at the end. Um, it's incredibly satisfying, but it's it is a wild ride. So if this is not the time for you to read a book like that, just maybe set this one aside. Uh, I will also do a quick disclaimer that this is actually a HarperCollins title. The HarperCollins union is still on strike. So, you know, take with that information what you will. Jess and I have talked a bunch about how it's tough to know how to deal with HarperCollins titles right now, because while we very much support the union, we also are cognizant of what sales do for authors. So wherever you have landed on that spectrum, you know, take that into account. But this is a book, it's part of the series that Sonali Dave did that is kind of retellings of Jane Austen books. This one is a retelling of Persuasion, which I will confess I have not read. Uh, I've read like four of the six uh, Jane Austen novels, and this isn't one of them. But it is about two people, Asha and Rico, who were childhood best friends and lovers, and they got separated because her family thought he wasn't good enough. And he went on to become this like huge soccer star, like big, big deal. She is trying to run her as an adult, you know, you fast forward into the future, blah, blah, blah. She's trying to run her um, late father's restaurant. She is struggling, like she's kind of broke, she's having a hard time. So she agrees to go on this cooking with the stars show, where they partner you up with famous celebrity people. And it just so happens, uh, it actually doesn't just so happen, Rico pulls some strings to make it happen. But it just so happens that Rico and Ashna end up being paired together. And so they, you know, uh, are trying to navigate this sort of, they, you know, you know how these relationships go, right? Like as kids, they were best friends and um, in love, and then they're kind of enemies. And now they're kind of partners, and they kind of fall in love again. And it's they have a lot that they have to work out. And I thought that was really compelling. But the thing that actually puts this book on one of my all time favorites, even by Sonali Dev, but honestly, probably one of my top 10 favorite romances of all time is that she does something really interesting with the narration in that for most of the book, it's back and forth, third person between the two main characters. But at some point, I want to say it's maybe like might be earlier than I think, but maybe like halfway through the book, she adds a third narrator who is relevant to the story. And I felt like adding that voice and that perspective really adds a lot of, I think I keep using the word dimension, but I think that that is the case. And just kind of adds another layer to this story. Some people probably will object because it's a romance supposed to be about the two main characters, but I think you understand one of the characters in particular a lot better once you have this kind of third perspective. So, you know, I, like I said, I'm sure I've talked about it before, but uh, if you are, if you're in the mood to be sort of pulled apart and then put back together again, you should be reading Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. Okay. So... I have to apologize in advance. My other book that I'm going to discuss today, I only had a chance to read a third of it, but it was one that I've heard so many great things about that I was like, I definitely want to try and read this for the show. It's called Devon and Chris Plan a Wedding by Chensia C. Higgins. This is about a reality show where contestants have six weeks 
to convince their families that they are getting married. They are paired with a stranger. The two of them have to pretend that they're madly in love and go through all the motions of picking out all the things for their wedding and finding a place and, you know, because they're just so in love, they have to do it right now. And at the end of six weeks, if any of their family members or friends are like, this is not real, like, you're obviously lying about this, uh, they lose. Or they get to have a wedding because maybe they really fell in love. Or they get Uh. $100,000. Like, take the money. So (laughs) it's this show called Instant I Do. And the two main characters are Devon, who is a black femme woman. She's fat. She's a guidance counselor. She's closeted to her very religious mother. And so that is the hook that she put in her video when she applied to be a contestant. You know, she said... I haven't come out to my mother, and I think that doing it on national television in front of everyone will make her less likely to, like, freak out and get angry at me. It's kind of like the equivalent of, like, taking someone to a public place to break up with them, because maybe they sure. won't. Yeah. So she thinks this is a good <laughs> idea. Um, Chris is a butch Afro-Latina, and she works as an influencer. She ha- I'm probably getting their jobs confused already by now. But um, she has, like, a huge following on social media. And she is out to her family, and so the two of them get matched up. Now, at the beginning, um, you know, they do those confessional things in, like, like you see in reality shows where, like, you talk to the camera. I did watch a lot of real worlds, like, the first few seasons when I was a kid. Um, so, like, you know, like, they nice. sit down and they say, like, I hate this person. The original, like, reality TV. Yeah, like, in, in this. Yeah. And so when they interviewed Devon at the beginning, she's, like, Here's, they're like, what are your impressions of all the people that you just met tonight? Because there's five couples who are competing. She's like, oh, here's my impressions about these people. But I really hope that I don't get, you know, paired up with Chris because, wow, she's gorgeous and a lot and so bubbly and, like, good luck to whoever gets paired up with her. So, of course, you know, Devon gets paired up with her. Of course. And so where I am in the book is that they get paired up. They go to dinner. There's tons of flirting. Like, they obviously find each other, like, super attractive um, I'm really into the outfits that these people are wearing. I'm like, I want to see pictures mm-hmm. of them. Um, Higgins does an amazing job describing like all of these fabulous outfits. There's people with tattoos and different colored hair. Like, I'm like, I want to see these people like on a screen. I want to see them. And where I had left off, they had just gone to a party. Their first like family gathering as a couple. And so, of course, just like the, you know, reality show creates a situation for them to be together. They're like, uh, we should practice kissing because, you know, my family is knows that I'm very affectionate. And so if we don't kiss, it won't seem real to them. So then they have to, like, practice kissing on the porch before they go in. And I was like, tee-hee-hee, kissing. <laughs> you know, like, oh, come on. But it's, it's really charming so far. Uh, you know, I'm a little stressed out for Devon. I'm worried about, like, what her mother is going to say to her. You know, my heart breaks a little bit for her. She calls herself a mothball, which is not an expression I had heard before. And she calls one of her friends a fellow mothball, like, meaning that they haven't come out of the closet. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, my heart breaks a little bit for her for, like, what's going to happen. But I don't know. Like, that's the nice thing about romance, though, is that, you know, it's all going to work out. Yeah. But then I think about this this television show, like, there are shows similar to this, aren't there? Like, is that what, like, 90 Day Fiancé is about? Like, I don't know. But, I mean, if someone was like, you know, you have to pretend to get married to this person and you'll get $100,000, 
I'd probably be like, I will marry this person if you give me $100,000. Like, I don't care. Like, I'll take the money. Let's do it, you know? Yeah. I'm sure that there are I, – I feel like the twist is the convincing of the family. Like you said, mm-hmm. I'm sure that those exist. But I feel like – and again, I'm the worst person because I to be commenting on this because I don't watch any of them. Like, love is blind. Like, it's, it's usually, I think, about the relationship between the two people. And mm-hmm. so I think that twist of, like, you have to convince family is very cool. Yeah. Well, so far, she – like, Devon has told her roommate, and Chris has told her sister. So, I'm like, this is one of the things that I think about all the time when I watch Jeopardy, you know, or or anything like that. Like, you won a competition, but you're not allowed to tell anybody, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I love Amy Schneider, who won a ton of Jeopardy shows last season. And mm-hmm. she would talk about, you know, watching them at home when they finally went up, you know, because she couldn't tell anybody. And I'm thinking, like... Yeah. Somebody is squealing somewhere. Like they're like not yeah. every single person who is on a reality show can keep their mouth shut, you know? Or like if you tell someone's sister, you know, like maybe their sister has a big mouth and tells everybody. You know, like like I just don't find it plausible that someone doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, especially like on something like Jeopardy where you keep win like how hard would it be not to tell people how many episodes they need to keep yeah. watching? You know, like if they're like, well, what is what if tonight's the night you lose? You know, like I mean, yeah. But at at some point, it gets to be dozens of episodes. And you're like, okay, I actually have a life. Like I have to move on <laughs> from just watching you on Jeopardy all the time. Well, so my husband is a big fan of Survivor. He's like oh, when yeah. the pandemic started, he watched like all forty seasons. Wow. We're all 39 seasons and the fourth season came out, and like over a series of like weeks. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is, you know, people get voted off the end, like people are going to know. But then I found out that they sequester you in a hotel until the end of the competition. So like if you get voted out, you're basically like kept oh. at a hotel until the end. I'd be like, I would show up and then be like, oh, sorry, I stink at everything. Put me in a hotel for a few weeks. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna read books. It's a vacation. And ignore work, <laughs> and it's gonna be awesome. Like that's order fantastic. room service. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like does the hotel have a pool? Like, let's talk about yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. When I was a little kid, we used to have these stupid spelling bees all the time in school. And if you were out, if you got out, you got to sit at your desk and like read a book until it was over. Uh, and so I would go up there and they'd be like, spell cat. And I'd be like, S-H-O-E. And then I'd sit down and like read for the rest of the thing. Like, that is exactly <laughs> what this sounds like to me. I'd be like, yeah, just either give me some money. I'll do whatever you want. Or, you know, I just want to stay in the hotel. Where's the pool? I mean, listen, when you sign up for a reality show, let us know. And again, we'll just have you back on. You can tell us all the details about <laughs> your reality show life and how it went. Yeah. My reality show would not be very exciting because... I just sit and read all day. It's exciting for me. I mean, there's got to be an audience for that. There's an audience for everything, right? That is that is true, yeah. We'll yeah. find it. We'll find it somewhere. Actually, speaking of um, audiences for, for you, you have a relatively new newsletter, right? Oh, yes. I, I do a Patreon called What's My Page Again, which I started a few months ago um, after I was let go from my other job uh, and was like, what am I going to do? I realized I have all this book knowledge in my head. And I'm trying to capitalize on that besides like all my awesome book riot stuff that I do. So yeah, it's really fun. It's been going really well so far. It is really fun. Thank you. Yeah, I am a subscriber. I love it. I think it's a blast. And one of my favorite things that you do is when you list all of the new releases, mm-hmm. you include like a little emoji by all of them to tell help people understand like what genre they are. And I think it's brilliant. And I love it. And it's a delight. Oh, thank you. 
So yeah, so everybody track down what's my page again, because you'll be happy you did. <laughs> I will be happy they did. Yeah, everyone, it'll be like it's a win-win-win yeah. for everybody. Uh, where else can people find you, Liberty? Oh my goodness. So I do the new books newsletter for Book Riot. I also am a co-host on all the books on Tuesdays for Book Riot, where we talk about new releases. And yeah, and then I just hang around. I lurk around Instagram at Franz and Comes Alive. Um, I don't post as much as I used to because I realize like the less I post, the more I can read. <laughs> ah, how interesting. Yeah, yeah. fair point. Well, I will I will link to it anyway. And then if you ever decide to start posting more or, you know, in the rare occasion that you do, yeah. people will be able to find you. Lots of cat pictures. Lots of cat pictures. Surprising no one. <laughs> well, and you can let us know when you are able to finish Devon and Chris Plano Wedding. You can let us know what you think. Yes. As always, you can find me and Jess at the When in Romance email address, which is whenandromance at bookriot.com. You can find me, again, mostly on Instagram, not posting as much as I used to either. Maybe I'll have to do better in 2023. Although your point about not posting, offering more reading time is a good one. And I am at Trisha Haley Brown on Instagram. Jess's information, as always, will be in the show notes too. Huge thanks, as always, to our amazing, fantastic, deeply patient sound editor, Jen Singh. Yay! Uh, she is the absolute best. I don't know, Liberty, anything else? Anything you want to let folks know before we wrap up for the week? No. Yay, books. <laughs> Yay, books. Huge, huge, huge thanks to you for joining. It was a blast thanks to get for to talk to you. We'll have me. to. Yeah, we'll have to. I think the last time we podcasted together was in like 2019. So let's <gasps> not wait so long next time. Absolutely not. Perfect. All right. Thanks for listening as always, everybody. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Happy reading. Bye.